Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 221. Over 95% of the horticultural produce that's consumed in Australia is produced here locally. And this very diverse and competitive industry has continued to grow in value over the last decade. And it's actually on track to exceed $20 billion worth of value of production by 2030. Earlier this week, Hort Innovation Australia released their much-anticipated Horticulture Statistics Handbook for the 2022 financial year, which delivers the data and trends to help players all along the supply chain to make decisions now and for the long term. And there were some really interesting trends in there. So today we have Lucy Noble, Industry Analyst at Hort Innovation Australia, joining us to share the key insights from this year's report and some of the longer-term trends and outlook for the industry. Before we get into the episode, as always, a few highlights from commodity markets this week. The greasy wool market settled into its price levels, and this is matching the patterns of other apparel fibre prices, which is in turn matching the background economic situation, which isn't conducive to a rising trend. Australia's grain export program is running hot, but unsurprisingly, the Black Sea is taking all the headlines. So the fate of the grain export corridor is again coming up for renewal with Russia not happy and talking of walking away, while China has voiced support for the renewal of the corridor. And the wheat market's been caught in the crossfire here with both the CBOT futures and local cash value softening this week. We'll jump into the episode now with Lucy Noble. I hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Lucy. Thanks, Olivia. Great to be here. Firstly, congratulations to you and all those that are involved in the release of the 2021-22 Horticulture Statistics Handbook. I heard it referred to as the industry bible this week, so it's obviously very respected and a useful source of data and information, which impressively is across a a huge number of different products um, that's covered in this report. So just how many are are covered in, in the statistics book? So, yeah, thank you. It's very much a team effort. So I I can't kind of appreciate or take all the credit for it. But as you said, a lot of commodities. So we cover 75 commodities um, in fruit, vegetables, nuts and amenity, which we categorise as our nursery turf and um, cut flowers category. So very broad. Wow, that's a lot to keep the track of. Um, And I was really interested in your presentation about the release earlier in the week. Uh, at the start of the presentation, you took us through the through chain maps, and that was really looking at how these different products are traveling from farm through the supply chain, whether it's exported, processed, or, or fresh supply, and how it gets to the end customer. So as a bit of a starting point, Lucy, why don't you take us through that high level overview of what market channels exist for horticulture and how product flows through them? Yeah, no, Absolutely. So I guess uh, it's a fair bit to touch on, but essentially the horticulture industry, as we said, it's really broad. So unlike a lot of our other big ag sectors, we represent a lot of different commodities within horticulture. And so therefore any means of collecting data and understanding where we sit as an industry has to be really broad and kind of reflects that, um, not disparate, but not particularly united um, industry as one. So the way in which we have to collect 
um, data is it's quite um, it is very much collected through the through chain, which is why we refer to the process or the system um, in the Hort stats kind of compilation as the through chain system. So that covers everything essentially from production volume and value and understanding what's happening on the farm gate through to our consumer and our retail channels at the very end. So our retail and our food service sector. But then between that, there's quite a lot that sits in there, everything in terms of trade. So our important um, export channels, as well as our processing, and then also our wholesale, which is essentially what fresh supplies going through our, to our domestic market. So how do we then get all of that together? It's a fairly complex system um, and it's quite unique in that no other kind of agricultural um, sector collects data in that way, because essentially there's lots of different touch points through su the supply chain that we need to be able to check in to make sure and validate what we're seeing into the system is what we see coming out of the system as well, and then marry up the prices and volume on top of that. So essentially, as I said, there's lots of check-ins, whether it be with industries, with processors, with marketers, in our wholesale, our fresh um, channel there. there. There's lots of different points in which the data is um, validated. And I have to, I guess, recognise at this point as well that because I work for Hort Innovation, so the Horticultural Industries um, RDC, we produce this um, along with Fresh Logic, And so Fresh Logic, the delivery partner who at the end of the day um, produced the Hort Stats Handbook, which um, is our abbreviation for the Horticulture um, Statistics Handbook. And so when you're looking at the products that flow through that fruit chain, how much is, say, going to exports versus um, fresh supply or those different sort of market channels as a, as a whole sector together? The Australian produce that we grow in Australia, um, we have... 11.53% going to export. And then we have a segment going into our processing sector. And then from there, we've got the remaining going into our fresh. Um, and in, within the handbook, we split that up between um, our food service and our retail um, channels. I was really interested in that export stat because one of the things you were talking about is that this is a growing segment for the horticulture industry. And and when you compare it to, say, some of the other commodities we produce, like uh, beef, you know, lamb, fibres, grains, just about everything else, exports make up a much bigger share of our market channel. So um, do you, how important do you think this export channel is for the horticulture industry? And is that something that you think will continue to grow? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because as soon as you look on paper at our main agricultural industries and horticulture is right up there, the biggest, I think, differentiating factor is that um, the difference in the market share of the export partners um, versus that exactly, as you said, say of our meat or cotton or grain industries. So is it an important sector? And the question is undoubtedly yes. So when we look at the export growth in Australia for the horticultural industry, we've gone from a export industry within horticulture that's worth $1 billion in the financial year 2013 to an agricultural export industry in fresh horticulture that's now worth $2.47 billion, um, which doesn't necessarily mean a huge amount. But when you then put that um, next to the population growth over that period of time, which is sitting at around 14%, and that export growth is 
representing 144%. It very clearly marries up the fact that exports play a huge role in, in horticulture, um, and particularly for a few of our key commodities that are really leading the way in terms of growing that market access and the, the volume of produce that is being sent overseas as well. And so there's a lot of different players that come into that, um, more than just hort innovation or a single entity within the industry. It's really a very much um, a collaborative piece to gain that market access. And there's a lot of complex things that come into it, but without a doubt, export plays such a large role in the horticultural industry. And um, we're a really serious player at the table when we do look at those export markets now. Well, I suppose that there's always opportunity for domestic fresh supply to you know, continue adding value, but to, to really see demand growth above, you know, the, the population growth that happens here locally for consumption, it's got to be those export markets that's the key driving factor there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, exactly as you said, we have to look outside of our own borders. Um, and we are, we still obviously, the majority of produce does go to that domestic market, but it is a finite market. We're able to supply ourselves, which is great, but it also means that in order to see that real growth um, and maintain our competitiveness within the industry, the export markets is where there is so much importance. And we're having said all of that, it's obviously been a, few, a hard couple of years or a hard three or four years now um, in terms of looking at trade and, and the freight disruptions in particular. But we're set, still seeing really um, impressive figures in this latest handbook in terms of export, given that there are still industries who are coming, coming out of that um, particularly hard period of time and dealing with a lot of those issues, whether it be freight or market prices or specific industry related issues regarding volume of production over the last couple of years, particularly when we look at some of the weather events that have occurred within the key growing regions for our horticultural industry as well. So generally, I think the long term trend, particularly for exports, is one of real positivity. That's great to hear. And you just mentioned there, Lucy, a few of the, the key factors that the horticulture industry has had to endure over the last few years. But just focusing in on the the season, the 2021-22 season that the statistics pack was looking at. So the value of the horticulture industry increased to 15.6 billion, which was up two and a half percent on the previous season. So what were some of the key drivers around that growth in value that we saw last season? It's a really positive thing to see that the value of production for horticulture is up 2.5%. And quite simply, where has that value come? It's come from, when we look at our categories, it's really come predominantly from vegetables and then supported by an increase in the production value of nuts as well. So what we saw within our vegetable category was essentially um, production value was up for most of our vegetable lines. Um, having said that, the story behind it, as I said, there's a lot of complexities in all of agriculture and horticulture is no exception. So the complexity that sits behind that is that supply um, came back for vegetables um, quite, quite significantly over this period of time. And that has been largely due to the fact that um, the vegetable category in particular, the key growing re regions of vegetables in Australia were hit really hard with um, floods over the last reporting period. And so therefore supply was back um, and, the, and the market then reacted as well. And so we see that that premium over the most recent reporting period for veg. And so the value came a lot from um, the vegetable lines. Having said that, it was also put, supported by an increase in the production value for nuts as well. And that partic particularly came from almonds. So in terms of where has the value come from, it's from those key categories as well. And then what makes that up? There's a lot of key drivers and I touched on a big one before, exports, um, the 
continuity of investing in our export channels, whether it be through diversifying markets or it be through increasing the quality of product or working on those relationships. Um, there's a lot that goes into growing that and that's always going to be a market driver and it has been a market driver predominantly over our last the last 10 years as well. And diving into a few specific sort of products and categories, Lucy, so some of the standout performers that I could see over the long term, not just in the last year, were blueberries, which you'd said had tripled in value in the last nine years. I think citrus also doubled in value. So are they um, supply or, or demand-driven moves in those products? I think both uh, is quite simply uh, simply the answer there. As you said, production value has gone up for both um, in blueberries in particular. It's tripled over the last 10 years. That's been supported by an increase in supply as well. But um, coming back to the same story around those exports as well, over that period of time, we've seen the value of exports for blueberries has increased 16-fold and for oranges, it's doubled. So it's it's uh, it becomes a pretty um, similar story for a lot of this stuff, but there has to be a kind of a balancing act where we're increasing supply but making sure that there is still demand for that product. Um, and when we've got that finite kind of contained population within our domestic um, market, we have to look outside of that as well. So that's where a lot of the key kind of drivers, particularly for those two in particular, come from. I'm talking to Lucy Noble here from Hort Innovation on Commodity Conversations. And Lucy, we've spoken a lot about exports, but one of the other key themes I was hearing in the report delivery was that the, the food service sector has really been through, you know, a challenging few years and we know why that is. But what have you seen change over the period in that particular sector? Yeah, I think it's a really good question and it was one that we always want to make sure that we kind of um, are really upfront around the food service data that we do collect because it's a pretty new addition to the handbook. So we've been collecting data for the last four years and reporting on the food service or the food sector um, service for the last two years. But what that means is that we don't have the time series data that we do for the rest of the handbook. So we have that four years and for anyone who kind of plays these touches data, they know that four years is one of those things where it's a point in time, but we have to be careful with how we do report on it, particularly when we're talking about an industry that has been through an incredible amount of change in the last four years. So um, in terms of looking at the long-term trends, it's hard to draw any really fine out night conclusions um, from the four years of data that we do have and we've seen so much change year on year some of it is a reflection of the supply that we have so we can we know that vegetables send um, more a higher proportion of their volume to the food service sector than fruit do um, we know that for certain but the value of say the food service sector in the latest reporting period came up for veg um, which is possibly just a reflection of the fact that the value of veg was high in the last reporting period as well um, but I think the value in this food service data is really that we have now started collecting for that time series. And so as we start getting back to, and I really hate using the normalcy because what is normalcy anymore? But as we start collecting more data in that, I think it's going to be of greater value. It's certainly been, a, you know, a changing situation over the last few years and, and some of them sort of feel like structural changes have shifted a bit in that food service sector. So as you said, we'll, we'll watch and, and see how that unfolds. Um, but what about looking forward, Lucy? So to the balance of 2023, what are some of the key trends and opportunities you see in the horticulture market? I think, I guess, the first thing that kind of stands out, I guess, is that overall positive growth. 
So for another year, we've seen a growth in the overall production value of the horticulture sector at large. That's not to understate that it's been a cruisy year for the industry. Um, you can't even say it's been a cruisy year for any single commodity line because there's so much variation within, any, within the entire horticulture sector. But I think that general long-term trend and growth in value um, is a real, it's a real testament to a lot of the work that goes on behind the scenes in, through the funded projects that happen here at Hort Innovation, all the work in trade as well. I think there is a lot of really, uh, there's a lot of hope for the horticulture industry in terms of building that value. Um, some other key trends, I guess, are that we have come through the last four years, even if you just look at that drought through a large part, particularly the Eastern Seaboard of Australia, followed by fires, then we went into COVID, which completely turned a lot of things on the head, particularly for trade and market access. And now there's also a lot of, at the same time, kind of political tensions and things that have a, a kind of flow on effect to a lot of our trade opportunities. And then we've now been through um, the last around 18 months of really um, quite complex weather conditions across different parts of Australia as well. So I think it'll be really interesting to see where that does settle over the next little while, but looking at those consistent market channels, um, whether that be an export or some of those food service sectors when it does come back to normalcy as well. So I think that will be really interesting to watch. And what we can see as well, or what will be interesting to see is where, where some of our lines that have seen um, particularly interesting conditions over the last 12 months, say in vegetables, where the value does come back and settles once volume comes back to normalcy as well. So I think there's a lot of um, really interesting things coming up. I think a few commodities in particular have been through such um, exponential growth really over the last 20 years, and they're doing a great job with trade and market access. Um, and it will be, I think it's been a testament to a lot of these industries, a few standout ones, as you said, oranges, citrus, um, almonds. So almond plantings 20 years ago um, were 6% of what they are today. So that's a huge increase in the production um, volume potential that commodities like that do have, but they've done a great job with maintaining their trade access and their export opportunities as well, and working all along that supply chain to maintain the demand. So Look, there's a lot going on in horticulture and I, I'm, I want to pull up a little bit short because I don't want to make any broad statements because there's so much happening. But I think, um, yeah, without kind of understanding, I think there's a, there's a lot of potential for really positive growth within the horticulture sector. Yeah, I think if we look across, you know, markets across all different commodities, there's a lot of risk out there that we've, we've experienced over the last few years and with the broader global economic picture. But there's also, you know, a really good position that a, a lot of our farmers are in and some of the growth you've seen in the horticulture industry over that time is a great positive message. And hopefully some of the challenges that we've been facing, like, um, you know, troubles in in shipping and freight and and, and labor do start to ease as we look forward as well so um there's some definite definite positives out there but lucy i before you go i do have a question to ask and it's probably the number one question i'm getting asked at the dinner table with friends and family at the moment and it's what's driving this great potato chip shortage of 2023 Oh man, it's a question I've been asking too. <laughs> um, I think a couple of things. One, in terms of what's actually ca causing the shortage, um, 
as with a lot of our our vegetable lines and it's what's reported in the Hort Stats Handbook, is about that volume coming back over um, the last, say, 18 months. So a lot of the key growing regions for potatoes were heavily affected by the floods. Um, And so there was delays there. And then when we look at the, the amount of time it takes to harvest potatoes, it's just a bit of a mathematical equation and a waiting period to wait it out. Um, so we're going to see, I think, the short in, in potatoes for the for the next little while, at least for the remainder of a lot of this year. Um, but having said that, <laughs> the Hort Stats Handbook, just keeping in mind that this publication in, in particular is the FY22. Um, and so p- because we've seen a lot of the flood effects um, over late spring or around spring, summer of 2022, they're actually not reflected in the Hort Stats Handbook. So the story that you're going to see in the Hort Stats Handbook is that production volume of potatoes was actually one of the only vegetable lines that did come up in the last financial year. Um, so it's not reflected, but that'll be one to watch in the next Hort Stats Handbook. But hopefully next year we'll see um, the price of potato chips come back a bit. Yeah, I think that's what, what we all want, Lucy. Absolutely. But thanks very much for your time and sharing the key highlights across this handbook. And we'd love to have you back on again soon, Lucy. Thanks, Liv. Great to talk to you.